being led of the Spirit is so much different. And this is why I believe so many Christians' lives are powerless is because they're living their life apart from the inspiration, the unction of the Holy Spirit, which requires faith to make it happen. Welcome to It's Time, the daily Bible teaching program of Mike Kessler, pastor of the River Christian Fellowship in Twin Falls, Idaho. Today, we're going through a series on the Holy Spirit. So, get ready to follow along in your Bible as we join Pastor Mike. Real quickly, just to explain a couple things. In the Old Testament, to convert to Judaism, what you would do is you would renounce your pagan deity, you would embrace Yahweh, and then you would take a ceremonial washing. And that then you would pass from being that of a pagan religion into Judaism. What made John the Baptist's ministry so unusual is that John the Baptist came to the Jewish people. In fact, if you look there in Matthew chapter 3, and we're going to be talking a lot out of Matthew 3 and and Matthew chapter 4 this morning, it said that people from Jerusalem would come and hear John the Baptist minister. And they were being baptized as well. Now, what was so unusual is he, John the Baptist, came to the Jewish nation saying, you Jewish nation, you need to take a ceremonial washing. You see, they were filled with pride. This is what people have asked the question today. What veils the Jewish people from understanding who Jesus Christ is? Well, we, as we read in the Bible and as we go to Isaiah chapter 14, that Satan, Lucifer, was beautiful in his ways until pride filled his heart. The Bible tells us that pride is the, is the root of all sin. Why is that? Because it vaults itself against God. Well, here's the problem. They thought because they were descendants of Abraham, they had arrived. There's nothing more that needed to be done. We don't need to repent. We don't even need a relationship with God because we're descendants of Abraham. And this is where the problem came in. And so John the Baptist comes along preaching to them saying, you, Jewish nation, you need to take a ceremonial washing. And the Bible tells us that Jesus sought out John the Baptist so that he would be baptized. Now, it's interesting. Jesus had no sin that he would need to be baptized from. But Jesus said to suffer it and allow it to be so. Something to always remember is the relationship that God desires to have with you is not a mechanical religious experience. He wants to have a personal relationship with you like you would have with your children or you would have with your mom or dad. That it's not something that's hard to entreat, but something that God would actually just walk alongside of us like God did in the book of Genesis where God would walk with Adam in the cool of the evening. What a beautiful thing that God wanted to do. And so when we've been studying in the book of Acts, especially around chapter 2, and then looking at the gifts of the Spirit in Corinthians chapters uh, 
12, 13, and 14, we find that God empowers us. What will the Holy Spirit do? What won't the Holy Spirit do? A lot of people have some really weird ideas of what the Holy Spirit's going to make them do. I knew one time a guy saying, well, I'd go to a Pentecostal church, but I'm afraid I'd have to swing on chandeliers. Is that what the Holy Spirit does? Well, first of all, I want to say this with you. Okay, everybody bring the chandeliers in. No. The thing is, the truth is that what God wants from us is just that relationship and that empowering that comes from God. Here's the thing we have to remember. When you and me, the Bible says we live by faith. Now, faith is the evidence of things hoped for, yet not seen. That's why when Peter got out of the boat, he walked on the water. And though it was for a short time, and this is where a lot of people fault Peter. Well, he sunk in the water when he took his eyes off of Jesus. Yes, but he's the only one in the boat that got out of the boat. He's the only one of all the disciples that ever walked on water like Jesus did. And I'll tell you, friends, if it's only for a couple seconds, that's cool. To be able to, I think Peter was probably next to Jesus, the first water skier, barefoot skier. He he did it without, without skis at all. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. Now, when we understand what the Holy Spirit will do, the Holy Spirit energizes us when we step out in faith. Well, I'm just going to sit here in this chair until the Holy Spirit speaks to me. Friends, Let me tell you something. When you study the Bible, you'll find that as we put feet to our faith, God then energizes us in the things that we are doing. Now, this is why it's important to never be a Christian setter, but rather a Christian goer. Because as we go, that's when we walk in the power of the Holy Spirit. What is one thing that you are doing today that you need the Holy Spirit to help you do? God endeavors to challenge us to step out, get out of the box. Somebody said one time, a rut is simply a coffin with the ends kicked out. I believe that. And many people have been paralyzed because they, they, they go, well, I don't see how things can ever change in my life. They'll even say this as Christians. But the point is, when we become born again, first of all, the Bible says we pass from death unto life. That's great. And that is something that you and me could never do in ourselves. All the religious hoopla, all the religious hoop jumping, all the religious mantras, all the religious incense burning will never restore you to a relationship with your Father in heaven. Only Jesus Christ does that. And he cleanses us and he makes us his own child. We belong to him. Isn't it great to know you belong to God? There's nothing worse than feeling like no one loves you. This morning, God loves you. The reason he loves you is because you're his child. Not because a reward of your performance, but simply because I love you, period. Some of us sometimes don't get that. Maybe until you have a kid and you just love your kid, regardless of all the goofy stuff they do, you still love them. God loves you. And here's what's important. When we step out in faith, in that honor to our Father in heaven, which we can't see, we worship him by faith. But when we step out in faith, God says, I'll empower you. 
And then we see the gifts of the Spirit mentioned in Corinthians chapter 12, used in the proper way in Corinthians chapter 14, but always governed by Corinthians 13, the chapter on love. The Bible says, though, I speak with tongue and the men and of angels and have not love. And I, we've shared this before. I have become a clanging gong. It's interesting that in the midst of working within the Holy Spirit, if I don't have love, I have become, this is speaking as a Christian, I have become a clanging gong, a sounding cymbal. So understanding then that God endeavors because he loves you and me, he encourages us to step out in faith. When we step out in faith, that's when the empowerment hits. Peter didn't know when he got out of the boat. When Jesus, when Peter says, Lord, if that's really you, bid me to come out there to you. Jesus said, come on. And Peter gets out of the boat. And he just took that faith and got out of the boat and started walking towards Jesus. And I think something interesting, I think Peter probably, as he began to look around, go, I can't do this. Well, Peter, you're absolutely right. And down he went. But you know what? Jesus still rescued him. I like that. Even in the midst of getting out of the boat, stepping out in faith, walking on the water for a short time, we begin to sink. Jesus still will pull us up. You know why a lot of people don't do anything for the kingdom of God? They're afraid of failure. Well, I might do it wrong. Hey, listen, is your God, and this is a question, is your daddy, who's your daddy? Is your daddy bigger than the things that you've done wrong? Amen. He is. And that's why we get together. That's why we celebrate. This, friends, isn't Costco with a cross. This is a family of God's kids united under the banner of his love, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. We cry, Daddy. That's what the kind of relationship I want to be. I don't want to be around a bunch of religious people. You ever been around religious people? Self-righteous, look at how good I am. They go to strutting their buttons. They, you know, their heads are swollen. They drag their ears when they walk through the doors. That's kind of scary, isn't it? But when I just get around a bunch of God's people, God's, hey, we're brothers and sisters in Christ. You know, they used to say, when John the Apostle, the only one still alive, all the others had been martyred. They tried to kill John. They boiled him in oil, and then when he didn't die, they exiled him on the island of Patmos, which was basically an Alcatraz in the, uh, in the uh, Mediterranean. And finally, when he was rescued off that island, they would come and set him in a church, and he would just look at everybody, and as he looked at everybody, he'd just look at everybody and say, love one another. See, John recognized where the power of God is. It is in the church, in Jesus Christ, understanding Father is, is our God and that we're his children. And together, we can do something that we could never do independently. And that's what's great about God. You see, you're not alone. Do you know why the gangs have taken over our inner cities? Do you know why the allurement of that whole culture is because the fragmented homes of America? Nobody belongs anymore. The term family vacation means that who my mom happens to be with this week. The term family vacation is a fragmented thing because I don't even have a family anymore. 
Well, I got great news. You got a family in Jesus here. And because of that family, our Father, which art in heaven, that's what unites us as his kids. And I just want to encourage you this morning that as we look at this empowerment of the Holy Spirit and where it began in Jesus's life, where he was baptized when he began his earthly ministry. If you have your Bible, I want you to turn over uh, with me in them to the book of Matthew chapter three, Matthew three. And then we're going to go into chapter four, why you need the Holy Spirit. Chapter four is why you need the Holy Spirit. You cannot live the Christian experience apart from the power of Jesus Christ. I really believe it's impossible, friends. First of all, a couple of reasons. One, we can't be good on our own. Have you ever looked at your kids and say, can't you just be good? And they look at you with those goobery faces and go, no, they can't. Can't you just stop fighting? I remember, I remember my... uh, my mom, you know, we'd be in the back seat, 57 Ford station wagon. And you're on my side of the line. You know, the imaginary line that went down the back seat. You're on my side of the line. No, I'm on my side of the line. And we'd start fighting. And, I, and all of a sudden, I remember my mom's hand just went flailing behind. She didn't care what she contacted. She was just trying to hit anything. Can't we just be good? Mm-mm. Nope. You know, the Bible says it's not within man to live righteously. (laughs) You're not designed in the old nature to be good. That's why Jesus said to Nicodemus in John chapter 3, you must be born again. Why? Because we pass from death unto life. We go from no father to now his children. Wow, that's great. So when we make this transition, it's not that it's inherited by our lineage, and this is what the Jewish people thought, whereby they would approach God through their ritualisms, by their, by their meticulous keeping of the law, but rather now we have a relationship with God because he loves us. So he says here, and let's just look at this. Jesus came, verse 13, to, from the Galilee to John, to the Jordan to be baptized by him. Jesus sought John out. First thing important. John tried to prevent him, saying, I need to be baptized by you. And are you coming to me, he asked. But Jesus answered and said to him, Permit it to be so for now, for thus it is fitting to fulfill all righteousness. And then John allowed him, and literally John baptized him. Then Jesus, when he had been baptized, came up immediately from the water. Now, uh, friends, this is one of the reasons why uh, people say, well, is it okay to be sprinkled? Funny story, truthful story. You can't make things like this up. I was asked on Christmas Eve to go over to a retirement home in Kimberley. And there are some, some church members, uh, their, their grandmother was there at the, at, the, um, at the retirement home. And I just gave a salvation message, you know, that Jesus came, born in the major, died on the cross. And, and, and just, I just kind of said, does anybody here want to accept Jesus as their Savior? And this lady put up her hand. And I just thought, well, you know, she's probably been a Christian a lot of years, and she just, 
Well, they come running up to me afterwards. Grandma wants to receive the Lord. And I said, okay. So I went up with her and I sat down and I prayed with her. And so then when I was done, she looks at her her, uh, granddaughter and says, I want to be baptized. Now, I don't know how you baptize somebody in a wheelchair on Christmas Eve uh, in the dead of winter in Idaho. But she wanted that. And I thought, well, Lord. So we went back to her room. And I said, Lord, forgive me for being a Presbyterian here. Uh, Give me a cup of water. And I was going to just kind of sprinkle her. And uh, as I dipped my hand in the water to do this, the orderly came in at that moment to give her her medicine. The door flung open, hit my arm. I dumped the whole cup of water on her. And she goes, wow! And I thought, you know, God, you got a sense of humor. I was just going to kind of sprinkle her. And, well, as it says here, Jesus came up out of the water. She came up out of her chair, let me tell you. But it's how God works. And I looked at that and I realized that, you know, Jesus was baptized. I have had people say, well, I'm a Christian. I've not been baptized. Is that okay? And all I can tell you is this. If Jesus, and he was sinless, was baptized, I need to be baptized too. But what is baptism? Well, being baptized in the Holy Spirit empowers us. And this is why it's one of the second works of the Holy Spirit. The first one is to convict us of our sins. And when we're baptized, it's obedience. It's an outward sign of an inward change. That's why we are baptized. And so it says, Then Jesus, when he'd been baptized, came up immediately out of the water. And behold, the heavens were opened to him. And he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting upon him. Here you find... You find the Holy Spirit in the form of a dove resting on Jesus. You have Jesus himself being baptized. And then, and suddenly a voice came from heaven saying, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. And so we find that the Trinity is mentioned here. Jesus wasn't being a ventriloquist and bouncing his voice off of a cloud to impress the the masses. It's speaking of who Jesus is. It's God's Son. What is unusual, and of course we find that the chapters and verses were added by the translators to help us find our favorite Bible verse, because if you were just to read it without it, here's the next part. Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness. Now, if you like to to, uh, underline things in your Bible, it is underlined in mine. What I've underlined is led by the Spirit into the wilderness. Why does God do that? Why does God, in our Christian experience, give us wilderness experiences? Okay, God, you know, I've accepted you as Savior. And then we kind of go into a wilderness experience. Sometimes things unfamiliar. You know what God does when we become born again? He trains us as a soldier to rely on him rather than what we see. 
You see, the problem with oftentimes Christianity, unless I see it, I don't believe it. This was uh, Thomas's problem. Unless I see the holes in his hands, unless I put my hand in his side, I will not believe. That's what Thomas said. Thus the name Doubting Thomas. Well, Jesus, when he appeared to him, offered these very things to Thomas. Here, here's my hands. See my side. Thomas fell to his knees and he said, my Lord and my God. Now, he wasn't swearing. He was confessing who Jesus Christ is. Jesus Christ is God. Not Michael the archangel, not the half-brother of Lucifer, not one of the greats, not one of the, you know, the prophets of old. He was God. Well, here's what he says. He was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. That's not what I want to read. Let's just mark that out and move on to something else. I want to be led by the Spirit into excitement. Yeah. I want to be led into popularity. I want to be led into my name and lights. Yeah. Where does the Spirit lead us? This is after Jesus had been baptized. He was led into the wilderness. Why? To be tempted of the devil. One of the things that I believe God does is he takes us when we become truly sold out for God and he moves us out of our comfort zone. Again, remember this. As a child of God, if you don't get anything else out of this today, remember, as a child of God, you live by faith. Faith means that though you don't see it, God is already there. I like that. In other words, all God wants me to do is get into the picture to bring the reality. God's already there. See, that's why I believe, again, living in the Spirit is so much different. I've shared this before. I used to go witnessing in Las Vegas with some friends of mine, and, and there, if you've ever been on the strip down there, there's billions of people just everywhere. And, and we're out there to, to talk to people. And we don't know who to talk to. We got in a holy huddle, you know, kind of like, uh, you know, they do right before they throw the ball in football, you know, they do their little huddle in the back to know what the plan is. The Statue of Liberty move, you know, or something like that. We all got in a Lord, whoever you want us to pray for, let us see who they are break. And we'd start looking around. And you know, here's millions of people and all of a sudden this person just stands out. And I distinctly remembered, I share this because it's, though it happened years ago, it's as distinct in my mind as if it happened yesterday. I see this guy sitting on a park bench with his hands in his face. And I walked up to him and I said, are you okay? And he looks, he goes, yeah, not really. And I sat down with him, and I I knew that was the Lord. See, God already had been preparing this guy on the bench. All he needed was me, you, to go and say, hey. Now, what does that require? First of all, I have to divorce myself of my thing and be about his thing. See, if I'm, if I'm so tied up with me, oh, look at the lights, look at the colors, my name and lights, whoa, 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 whoa. I'm not going to see the guy with his hands, his face in his hands on a bench. 
And that's the way it is. Being led of the Spirit is so much different. And this is why I believe so many Christians' lives are powerless is because they're living their life apart from the inspiration, the unction of the Holy Spirit, which requires faith to make it happen. Now, you say, well, what is the faith that makes it happen? You! You're the one that steps out. And when you step out, God empowers you. And that's when you start seeing the miracles. I've had people come to me and say, well, why was God such a, a God of miracles in the Old Testament and the New Testament and he doesn't do miracles anymore? Well, they ceased with the apostles. A lot of uh, denominations will tell you that. Not the God I know. Hebrews 13, 8, Jesus Christ. The same yesterday, today, and forever. God's is still in the miracle working business and he wants to work them in you. What then unlocks the power of God? It's like, is there, is there like a combination locker? You know, I got to get really close to God and then that way I can, I can hear the combination. And I, No. Do you know what it is? You live your life as a child of his and step out in faith. You pray, God, open the doors, close the doors according to your will. Thanks for joining us on It's Time as Pastor Mike teaches verse-by-verse through the Bible. If you've missed a program or would like to catch up, you can do so by getting it from the It's Time podcast in the iTunes store or by downloading it from the It's Time website at theriverchristianfellowship.com. On behalf of Pastor Mike and the rest of us here at the River Christian Fellowship, thanks for listening. And tune in next time for It's Time.